We'll be looking at one of the Easter stories when Jesus appears before the disciples and he's hungry and he eats some broiled fish. I hope that as we explore this particular Easter account, that we also will have a chance to reflect on what it means that Jesus lives today. I invite you to join in the singing of this great Easter song, this great Easter hymn, In the Garden, when Mary Magdalene first sees the risen Jesus. Let us worship. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. 
How do you know if something is real? In college, I lived in a fraternity house that had a sleeping dorm. It was the top floor of the house, an attic, really. And it, was, it, was, it had all these bunk beds everywhere. Rather than sleeping in our rooms, we slept in the sleeping dorm. It was well ventilated. We had lots of windows up there and they were open all the time, all year round, even in the dead of winter. Not exactly a COVID safe environment, but back in the 70s, it, it worked just fine. And my bunk was right by an open window. One morning, I, I remember being awakened by a thunderstorm and it was just pouring down rain. It rained so hard that I could, I could feel the rain coming in the window. It woke me up. I hopped out of bed. I looked outside. And it was sunny. And there, there wasn't a cloud in sight, just this beautiful blue sky. Well, I went downstairs. I saw a couple people in the hallway. And I asked, I said, did it? did it rain this morning? And they said, no, it hadn't rained for days. In fact, one of them had been for a jog early that morning and said it was just beautiful. And of course, they, they looked at me like, well, something was wrong with me. What I experienced was so real in my half-asleep, half-awake state. Not only did I see and hear and experience a thunderstorm, I felt the mist on my face. Everything about the experience told me it was real, but it wasn't. Another experience I had when I was in high school was going with the church youth group to Explo 72 in Dallas, Texas at the Cotton Bowl. It was a, a week-long Christian festival sponsored by Campus Crusade for Christ. It's now called Crew. Thousands of youth from all over the country came together to hear the best music and the best preachers, Bill Bright, Billy Graham, and others who led this event. One night it was raining and the sky was completely clouded over. It was right at dusk, and, but it looked like night. We really didn't care about the rain. I mean, it was, it was Dallas in June. It was plenty warm, and we had a lot of fun playing in the rain. The speaker for the night made it an invitation for people to give their lives to Jesus Christ. Now, I had accepted Christ, and into my heart earlier in the year, but this felt different. This was giving me my life to Jesus, to do what he wanted to do, to go where he wanted me to go. With thousands of, of youth from all over the country, I prayed that night to give my life to Jesus. After we prayed, the rain stopped, the clouds parted, the sun that was setting 
through the clouds appeared and, and there was a rainbow that came across the cotton bowl. It was amazing. I remember looking at my friends in the youth group as the sun broke through and we saw this rainbow above us. I remember looking at them and them looking at me and, and I said out loud, is this real? Is this really happening? Are you seeing what I'm seeing? And they're like, yeah, we, they confirmed they saw what I saw. Rainbow and the sun shining, it was amazing, it was real. Today we are, are going to look at one more Easter story. You may have noticed that there's a, a progression in what happens and what is experienced by Jesus' followers in the very first Easter stories. First, they discover that the tomb is empty and they are filled with fear. Then there's an angel or a person in white that proclaims to them that Jesus has risen from the dead, and then they're filled with even more fear. Then there are appearances of Jesus alive, first to Mary Magdalene, and then to the disciples walking on the road to Emmaus, then to all the disciples except for Thomas, and then all the disciples, including Thomas. And guess what? They're filled with fear. And that's where we are today in this passage from the Gospel of Luke. It says in the second half of Luke chapter 24, they found the 11 and their companions gathered together. They were saying to each other, the Lord has really risen. While they were saying these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said, Peace be with you. They were terrified and afraid. They thought they were seeing a ghost. They couldn't believe their eyes. It's interesting to me that the scripture we looked at last week about doubting Thomas, that he said, unless I see with my eyes, I will not believe. And here in the Gospel of Luke, they see him with their eyes, and they can't believe their eyes. They don't think it's real. The only way that they can make sense of this is to put it in, in a category of a, a spiritual phenomenon, spirit, not body, not real. I get it. The one thing they were certain of was Jesus had died. No doubts there. He was dead, gone, and buried. It's understandable that they would have a hard time making sense of this experience of seeing Jesus right there in front of them, alive. What if it was us? And we'd never heard the story before. And all of a sudden, Jesus was right there with us. What would we think? Was it a ghost, a spirit, a figment of our imagination? We were dreaming? Because the way our minds work, just like the disciples, the way our minds work is for us to look at the most plausible explanation. 
So it'd be natural to go through a whole list of, well, possible explanations to, to make sense out of what we were seeing. Concluding that this was real, that this was really happening, was probably not at the top of the list. But here he was. Jesus right there in front of them, in the flesh. Well, I'd like to zero in on what Jesus said and what Jesus did in this brief encounter with his friends. Because in Jesus' resurrected body, in what he says and in what he does, we have a glimpse of what heaven is like, what life beyond the grave will be. Jesus shows up and the first thing he says to his disciples is, peace be with you. Throughout the Middle East, among Jews, Muslims, even Palestinian Christians, this is the traditional greeting. Shalom, peace. It's as normal as high and by in our country. It's as normal as apple pie. And yet when anyone says, peace be with you, it is responding to the cry of our hearts. It's yearning for more than just a feeling of inner peace, which is important. It's more than the absence of conflict and violence, which is also important. It also carries with it this deep, deep meaning of wholeness, justice, completeness, no pain, no sorrow, no fear, all is well. And you notice it's, it's how Jesus' life on earth began with the angels proclaiming to the shepherds at his birth, Peace on earth, goodwill to all. And here at the end in the new, this new chapter in Jesus' eternal life, in his resurrected body, he proclaims peace, shalom, peace be with you. Jesus reassures them that they do not need to be afraid. There's no reason for doubt. He reassures them that he is the same guy that they knew before and, and reassures them that the, the promises found in the prophets have all been fulfilled in him, in his death and in his resurrection. He says, touch me and see. For a ghost does not have flesh and bone like you see I have. There are scholars that, that say that the word Jesus used means even more than just touch me. It's more like grab hold of me. Don't you love it? In these days of social distancing, when it's been complicated to grab hold of our loved ones, and it's been difficult to even shake hands with our friends, that Jesus, in his resurrected body, invites us to grab a hold of him. 
He gives us a glimpse of heaven, of seeing him face to face, and us grabbing a hold of him while he grabs a hold of us. And then us grabbing a hold of each other and never again letting go. That's heaven. The next thing that Jesus does in this meeting with his disciples is this. Jesus asks for something to eat. He's hungry. He did something that he had done with his disciples thousands of times. He ate with them. Getting together with friends, with those Jesus considered family for a meal was central to his time on earth. I like it that in his resurrected body that Jesus was hungry. Hunger is a human need, but it is also something that brings us much enjoyment. My granddaughter and I often imagine what heaven is going to be like. We're pretty sure there's a pizza heaven that's right next to ice cream heaven. Not far away is cotton candy heaven. And then for me, also close by is coffee heaven. Of course, there's, there's no calories or any health problems caused by these various heavens, just, just joy and pleasure and, and satisfaction beyond all measure. No one gets sick from eating too much, and everyone has enough. So Jesus was hungry. I, I like that. Some will say he ate fish to prove that he wasn't a ghost. And that's all good. But I like the idea that the pleasure of eating will be part of our resurrected lives. Jesus, the prophets, often talked about God's heavenly banquet and gathering at God's heavenly banquet table. So I'm pretty sure that food we enjoy is going to be involved. Along with eating, central to Jesus' ministry was was getting together with people for good conversation. I've missed that during COVID. And I took it for granted. If I, if I look back at my old life before COVID, I had a tendency to rush through conversations, move on to the next thing, focused on my to-do list, and stay superficial in conversation. I see Jesus pointing us in this direction to go deeper, to listen and learn and enjoy each other's company, to bridge the differences between us, to grow in compassion, to really get to know one another on this side of eternity. So we'll keep it going on the other side of eternity as well. That's heaven. That's the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus modeled for us here with his disciples and what we have to look forward to in heaven. When Jesus ate a meal of, of broiled fish with his disciples, it brought them into familiar territory with all the things that they had done together going out on the Sea of Galilee, fishing, pulling up the nets filled with fish. 
getting together with people who had no place to go, gathering around the table for food and drink. It was the best. Remembering all these things reminded them of who, who Jesus was as he ate his fish. Jesus was one of them. Jesus, who was born in Bethlehem, his, his bed was a manger. He grew up as a refugee in a devout Jewish family, learned a trade, became a teacher, died as a traitor, and rose from the dead, came back to his friends to show them that this is real, too. He was still one of them. And he showed them that God has one more chapter ahead for us that is just as real as everything that has come before. That death is not the end. Yes, we will die. That's real. But the power of God, the power of love shown to us in Jesus is greater than death. And God provides a way for us to overcome death so that we can live abundantly now and one day live in God's presence in heaven forever. The last thing that Jesus said in this brief conversation with them, he says, you are my witnesses. You know what a witness is, right? In a courtroom, a witness is not the judge or the jury. The witness is not the attorney. The witness is not the defense or the prosecution. It is not the witness's job to persuade anyone of anything. The job of the witness is to tell the truth, what they've heard and what they've seen. And that's it. And that's what these disciples did, what Jesus called them to do. This is what they did for the rest of their lives. They shared what they'd heard and what they'd seen. They shared the truth about Jesus as they had experienced it. His life, his teachings, his death, his resurrection. It cost them their lives. All of them, the remaining 11 disciples, all gave their lives to this cause to share about the real life, the real death, the real resurrection of Jesus. They were executed, killed, beaten to death for being witnesses. No one broke ranks. No one deserted Jesus again because what they experienced was so compelling. It was, it was real. Only John lived to old age, exiled, imprisoned part of the time. He was allowed to live out his years in the church at Ephesus, and he never gave up his faith. They are the prime witnesses who saw with their own eyes and heard with their own ears and touched with their own hands. 
It is because of their witness, and it is because of all of the witnesses through the generations that we gather for worship today. And we are witnesses also, only slightly removed from those first disciples, because God has provided a way for us to experience the reality of the risen Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. When we come together and do the things the disciples did, we hear the good news, we engage in good conversation, we have our individually wrapped donuts and beverage, and oh my gosh, we hope much more than that soon. As we sing, as we pray, we come together, Jesus shows up. Through the experience of the Holy Spirit, we have our own experience of Jesus with us. That's the story we get to tell. We are witnesses to our own experience. This is what I've seen. This is what I've heard. This is what I've felt. And it's real. Jesus is here. And we are all witnesses. Amen.
Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we praise you and thank you that you grant us your peace. You showed the disciples the marks of evil pierced on your hands and feet. You opened their minds to understand why you had to die to defeat such evil and death. Increase our understanding, we pray and open our minds and hearts to receive you. Lord, we are living in a world that behaves as though you never lived. And sometimes we behave that way too. Forgive us for our sins. Forgive us for leaving you out of all the things that dominate our time and energy. Bring to us, O God, the sense of your living presence as we go into each day. Renew in us the faith you want us to have, the faith that is not afraid to reach out in your name, to be your witnesses by sharing your love and sharing what we have experienced in our relationship with you. Lord, you know our hearts, you know our needs, and you know the hearts of those around us and their needs. We lift up those around us who yearn for your peace, your presence, your healing power, We praise you and thank you for bringing Pastor Melva through her cancer surgery and for the good report we have received that there is no more cancer to be found. We thank you for healing, for answering our prayers. We pray for her and for Brandt and for all those in our church and community and beyond who are in the midst of treatment and recovery and healing from cancer. We pray you will continue to give them hope and strength to work through the challenges they face, and that you will continue to do your healing work through the expertise of doctors and nurses, through the treatments done, and through our prayers. We pray for all those who are dealing with serious illnesses and debilitating pain. We pray for those with mental health issues that keep them from enjoying life to the fullest. We pray that we will have compassion and understanding for those who are hurting. We pray for Mason, help him to to recover well from surgery, and help him to keep getting stronger. We pray for Anika, pray that you'll bring healing as she deals with liver disease. We pray for Brenna, who had back surgery last Friday, ease her pain, help her to have a full recovery. We pray for those who grieve, for those who are missing loved ones. Help them to continue to hold on to hope, hope in the resurrection, that you have conquered death through Jesus, and you give us and all our loved ones victory over sin and death through Jesus who lives today. Finally, O Lord, we ask that you would bless us at grace with vision for the future and reverence for the past. Guide us each day as we minister to one another and to the world for which you gave yourself. Help us each day to bear witness to your name and to do that which you would have us to do. 
We ask it through Christ Jesus our Lord. We pray as he taught us, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the glory and the power forever. Amen. For you this blessing. May the peace of God that passes all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus now and always. Amen.
But all 